Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father Almighty God, we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come into the word. We are grateful for all that you have done and all that you will do. And we pray, Father Almighty God, for a paradigm shift. May we see life differently because of what you will do today through your word. We pray that the lives of your people are changed fundamentally. And we trust you and we thank you. We ask, O oh Lord, for the spirit of wisdom for revelation in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and Father Almighty God, that the eyes of each person's understanding are very clear. They become open, Father, so that they may know. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody said, Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, a phrase has found its way into my heart, and I'll start there, and it is, I am no longer a victim. And it's a very interesting phrase, and this is what I want you to realize. A victim, ladies and gentlemen, by definition is a person who going through a challenge or going through adverse circumstances does not have the ability to change those circumstances or make an impact. And I say that humbly, that I am no longer a victim. And that is also true of you. We are no longer a victim because of what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has done. And we're going to look at that today. And we're going to draw our inference from the prophetic word over our lives in Jesus' house. And we will start, ladies and gentlemen, from Luke chapter 5. And I'll read from verses 1 to 11. And that will form the framework of the discussion that we're about to have that will cause us to realize that we are in no way, shape, or form a victim, somebody who cannot change their circumstances, irrespective of the fact that those circumstances are what we would call adverse or challenging. I will read from the Bible, Luke 5 verse 1. And the Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed, pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. 
And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Ladies and gentlemen, as we look at this particular word this morning, we want to have a look, ladies and gentlemen, at how to bring God's promises to pass. Because it's something that this is key and the purpose of a promise. And if you're writing things down, please write this down. That God's purpose for a promise is for it to come to pass. God did not give you a promise to frustrate you. Neither did God give you a promise to cause any level of hardship to be increased. The purpose of a promise is that it comes to pass. And so ladies and gentlemen, we're going to look, looking at this particular word, and please understand me that this word is true for you, that this is your season to launch out into the deep so that you may, from where you are, encapsulate something that will change your life and the lives of those around you forever. This is your season. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to look at how to bring God's promises to pass. Because this is something that we have to learn so that as we go forward, and remember, there are thousands of promises in the Bible, all of which are follow these rules that we're going to have a look at this morning. And so let's dive in. First things we want to realize is this. Number one, a promise will always enable you to function just like your father. When, notice, a promise will enable you to function like the person who gave it to you. Let me use the example of um, money. If someone gives you a, um, a, using British currency, a 20 pound note, or maybe a 50 pound note, or a, a variety of those, on those pieces of paper, the, the Bank of England has written, I promise to pay the bearer the sum of maybe 20 pounds, 50 pounds of silver, which is the, current, which is the bullion, that the, which is why we have pounds sterling. You can then, with that piece of paper, go into a shop and say that particular watch or that particular dress or that particular pair of shoes that is valued at let's say 25 pounds worth of silver just like the person who gave you the promise you can hand them the money and say give me that and so ladies and gentlemen wherever you are in the world that's what a promise does for you a promise gives you the ability to function just like the person who gave you the promise. In this case, that person is God. So what does God do? How does God make things happen? When God wants to make things happen, he speaks. Notice what Jesus did in Luke chapter 5 verse 4. Jesus realizes, he says to Peter, now when Jesus had left speaking, he was teaching, the Bible says, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. That's an old English word for a catch. So what did Jesus want to do? He said, let me set the boundaries of your next experience. And he spoke in the very same way when you have a promise, ladies and gentlemen, you can function like your father. 
That means when you are given a promise, it has to find its way into your words, into your thoughts, and into your actions. That means, ladies and gentlemen, notice, you have to be able to say concerning yourself what God says about you. That's what the promise gives you. And when you think about it, a promise, ladies and gentlemen, is the assurance of the promiser to do what he has laid out for you in detail. But let's put that in simple terms. In very simple terms, think about it. When God wants to get something done, he speaks. Luke 1.37 is one of the most popular verses of scripture we may find. The Bible says, for with God, nothing is impossible. That translated, it actually says, no word from God will be devoid of power or ability to come to pass. So ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. When you are given a promise, you have to act like your father. An example in that area would be the experience of the centurion that came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. When the centurion came to Jesus, he said, my servant is sick. Jesus said, I will come and I'll heal him. But Jesus was not at his house yet. The centurion then said, don't come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. He said, because I am a man under authority. And if I say to one, go, he goes. If I say to one, come, he comes. And then when he says to Jesus, he says, so just speak the word. Jesus, the Bible says, it's one of the few places in the Bible that you find it, that Jesus marveled. He was amazed. And then the Bible records that exactly what the centurion asked for was granted to him. Ladies and gentlemen, the promises of God have been given to you so you can function like your father. What am I encouraging you to do before we move on to the next point is this. Do not stay silent in front of the challenges you face. Begin to speak over yourself what the promises of God say about you. Let's go to the second one. The second thing you want to learn about promises is promises do the following. You have to isolate or identify the problem that you want the promise to solve. Now, let me give you Peter's example, and then I'll give you a biblical example. Luke 5, verse 5. Simon and Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. That was the definition of his problem. He then said, nevertheless, that means based on what you have said, I will let down the nets again. Meaning, I am no longer working based upon my circumstances. I am now working based upon what you said. What am I asking you to do, ladies and gentlemen? Whenever you conf are confronted by a challenge, identify the promise that solves what you are co being confronted with. Why? The reason is actually quite simple. The reason you, I would encourage you to do so is this. Because John chapter 1, reading from verses 1 to 3, says the following. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible then says, the same was in the beginning with God. 
verse 3 is critical. The Bible says, by him were all things made and without him nothing was made that was made. Meaning, God and his word are one. So when you now place your problem directly in front of God's promise, it's exactly the same as you placing your challenge directly in front of God. And the Bible says when God stands in front of your challenge, whether it be a mountain or a valley, the mountain will flatten and the valley will be filled. Whatsoever God wants Hear me well. God says of his word in Isaiah 55 verse 11, just as we are to wrap this up, Isaiah 55 verse 11, God says, my word that has proceeded out of my mouth, it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that to which I have sent it. It will prosper wherever I asked it to go. Meaning when your problem stands against the word of God, your problem without fail has lost. That means isolate, do your homework, isolate the problem and identify the promise that you want solved. Third, a promise must be believed to be activated. And so many times we're given a promise and think about it. If I was to give you a 50 pound note and you've never seen one before and you frame it because it looks great and you put it in your house and you say you know what it's a great piece of paper I'll put it in my house yet you have needs of 45 pounds and then you continue praying you do realize that God has answered your prayer Oh Lord, we need 45 pounds. We need 45 pounds by tomorrow. We desperately need 45 pounds. Oh, we need 45 pounds. But you have. And so someone will come to your house one day and say, oh, by the way, what's the matter? We really need 45 pounds. We've been praying all night and we don't have 45 pounds. And they'll look on your wall and say, yes, you do. Say, no, 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 we don't. We only have that wonderful piece of paper. It's great, isn't it? Say, no, that's a 50 pound note. And the person will look at you and say, really? Take it out of the frame and meet your needs. A promise must be activated. How? By believing. And now what I want you to think about, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Peter did not act on nothing. Please turn back with me one chapter to Luke chapter 4. And let me read to you. Let me read to you what happened to Peter. Luke 4 verse 31. Luke 4 verse 31. And I'll read from there so we understand how belief comes and the bible says and came this is speaking of jesus and came down to capernaum a city of galilee and taught them on the sabbath days and they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power and in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and then cried out with a loud voice saying let us alone what have we to do with thee thou jesus of nazareth Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the mist, that is the man he was, that he was possessing, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. 
Verse 48 is key. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Notice, that means Simon Peter was watching. Belief doesn't come from nowhere. It's never magic. Let me keep reading. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever and they besought him for her. That means they pleaded with Jesus that she's really sick. And he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. It was the Sabbath day and so work was not done on the Sabbath. And so when the evening came, verse 40, now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. That's Jesus Christ. Where did they bring them? Simon Peter's house. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, he suffered them not to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. Pause. That means, ladies and gentlemen, Peter's confidence in what Jesus said did not come from nowhere. And so when we say a promise must be believed to be activated, I want you to realize what does that mean? Based on what God has done in your life thus far, gives you confidence that when he makes a promise to you, he will do what he says. Now, some people may say, but pastor, that's, that's difficult because I'm still believing for a child. I'm still, this is my third miscarriage. Pastor, I'm still believing for my healing. I'm still single. I'm still believing for a promotion. I'm, I still don't have the job. I still don't, I'm not in school yet. I'm still waiting for, I'm waiting for an application. I'm still waiting for papers to show up. You say, but how can I believe God? Pause for a moment. Let's understand the, the greatest miracle that Jesus is going to perform in your life. And it is this. At the name of Jesus, you and I were removed from the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light. And nobody can deny it. That means, ladies and gentlemen, you have a reference point that is immovable. No matter what you are going through, you have a reference point that if God did this, He's going to do everything else he says. And so, ladies and gentlemen, promises are activated when you believe them. Belief comes from you understanding and knowing what God has done both in your lives and in the lives of others. Let's go on. So when you look at Luke chapter 4, Peter's actions are not out of the ordinary. He had seen in action. And so will you see. Jesus in action. Verse 4, the promise must become your only way out. Now, that sounds like, well, it's very difficult to believe God. Let's pause for a moment. When you go shopping, let's say you want to buy um, a suit, a very nice suit from a, any particular dealer. And you go into the suit and, they, and you go into the shop and they say, the suit is 200 pounds. You say, no problems. I have 100 pounds and I have 250 eggs. Will they give you the suit? No, because there's the medium of exchange is not there. And so what I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is when God gives you a promise, 
It has to become the only thing that you are relying on at that particular point in time. And notice, this is what happened to Peter. But it also, this is what happens when you, when you trust God. Peter said, listen, we have toiled all night and it hasn't worked. And at that particular point in time, they were well out of season. It was the middle of the day. The fish were further away than you could imagine. He was out of season. So when he launches his boat from the side, the only thing that he was trusting was that Jesus had said, this is what's going to happen. Go out into the deep and the result will be a catch. And God's word came to pass. Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says the following. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. So when you are relying on God's word, you are relying on the fact that God said, I will make sure my word comes to pass no matter what, irrespective of the circumstances that surround you. That's what it means. The confidence you have is that the promise which connects you with the promiser, the Lord himself, will come to pass. And I want you to keep this in mind. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 to 8, and I'll read. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8. And the Bible says the following. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Why did I read that to you? Because I want you to understand something. This is God's word to somebody. This has pretty much got nothing to do with the message, to be honest. Someone, whether you're in this room or you are in television land, someone needs to realize that when you trust God, he will get you through a season of drought. You will literally not cease from yielding fruit it will be at his expense not yours that's what it means and ladies and gentlemen i hope that gives somebody something to hold on to now we can continue the first thing ladies and gentlemen is this when you have a promise you have to become persistent you must become persistent now Persistence, ladies and gentlemen, when I say you become persistent, that means you literally do not let go. But let's put this in context. Let's go back to the, maybe the shoe example or the, sh- or the um, suits example. You've paid your money for them. You've paid the lady the money. They've packed up the suit. And then someone comes into the shop and says, that's my suit. You'll say, no, it's not. Say, no, 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 that's my suit. Say, no, 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 it's not. It's mine. Why? I've paid for it. So, and you can become relatively belligerent depending on where you come from or depending on your personality. Or you can say, I'll call the authorities who will enforce the fact that this is my suit. Why? I've got the receipt. It's mine. What am I saying? Become persistent with the promises. And the reason I'm saying it is this based upon this singular fact. 
you will only fight for what you know you own. That means if you do not think that the promises are yours, if you think that God left you out of this particular promise, then you're not going to fight for it. But let me put this in context for you. Kindly turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says the following, and I want you to hold on to this. Everything necessary for you to own the promises that God gives you have been done for you by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him are men, unto the glory of God by us. That means the heavy lifting was done by Jesus. This means yea and amen are different. Yes means whatsoever you ask for has been granted. Amen means let it happen now. Amen is an execution word. Yes is a permission word. That means the permission for that thing to be yours has been granted. Amen means let it happen now. Hear me well. Once you realize that because of Jesus's life, death, sacrifice and ascension, when the Bible says that God will hear the prayer of a righteous man, that's you. Nobody can fight for it. That means when, the, when something comes that says, no, you can't have it, you become persistent. And that's when you begin to declare over yourself what the promise says. That no, 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 it does not matter what the beginning of this year looks like. This is my year for the new. This is my year where I will launch out into the deep. And this is the year where I will make a catch that will change my life. This is the year that God will make ways in the desert. This is my year where the floods will literally create a pathway where there was no pathway. Why? Because God has said so. Listen, you become persistent. You will only fight for what you know you own. Key element here is this. Jesus said, what you are asking for is mine and I've given it to you. And I've given it to you because we are now one. That means if it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to you. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the number. So let's go to the next one. The next thing I want you to realize about promises is this. Promises will always cause you to walk an unorthodox or an unusual path. When, notice what Jesus did for Peter. He said to Peter, launch out into the deep for a catch. Pause for a moment. Peter was done by the time Jesus arrived. He was washing his nets. He had done everything right. And the Bible says that he had caught nothing. Jesus now says, can I use your boat? I don't know how long Jesus was preaching. None of us do. We know what he was preaching about. Mark 4 tells us, but we don't know how long the sermon was. So that means Peter is not only out of season by washing his nets, now it's probably the middle of the day because there was a crowd. So please hear me well, Peter's out of season. So when Peter pushes out from the dock, he's the only boat that will be doing so and every fisherman around him will think he's crazy. His friends will be saying that, Pete, what are you doing, bro? What are you, where are you going? So we're going out into the deep. What for? We're going for a catch. And they'll say, are you on drugs? No. Have you been drinking? No, no. Jesus said so. So he's now walking an unorthodox path. 
he goes into the deep. And the story tells us, because God's word comes to pass, he becomes famous. His friends come out and he changes, his, he changes their lives and God changes his. But I want you to understand something. Promises are made up of God's word. And I, I, I know I'm speaking to someone. Promises are not empty. They're made up of God's word. Money is never empty. It's backed by something. If it's a dollar, it's backed by gold. If it is a pound, it's backed by silver. It's never empty. The promises God gave you are backed by his word. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, that God's word has a particular characteristic. And I hope this helps will help somebody along their journey. The Bible says, God says of his word, said, my ways are, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, please keep this in mind. That means how God wants to solve your problems is going to be by a way that you would not be able to work out by yourself, but it will happen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when you are holding on to a promise, it will cause you to walk an unorthodox or unusual path. Peter walks that path. That means God will put you in a place where you are so visible that when the glory comes, it only goes to him. By the time Peter was done, he was famous. But it was the God he served that was famous. And so will it be with you. Let's go to the next one. The next one is this. Whenever you have a promise, ladies and gentlemen, to make sure it comes to pass, God expects you to act as if it is done the before you see it in the physical. And the reason I say so is this. This is how God functions. Hebrews 11, reading from verse 1, the Bible says the following. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. In the Amplified Bible, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or title deed, proof of ownership of things unseen. So ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. When you have been given a promise by a God who never fails, you have been given the title deed for what you are waiting for, even if it is not visible yet. So let me put that in context before we go to the last point. That means, let's say you go to the shop, and there are some shops you go to where you buy, you have to go in by appointment. The things are not necessarily on the shelves. So you go into one of those shops, and you ask for what you want, and you pay for it, and you buy it, and they'll tell you to come back on a particular day, and they'll give you the item. That means it's yours. They give you the receipt, they give you the payment but you can't see it. In between the time that they tell you to go and come back, you meet one of your good friends. and say, oh, what have you been doing? You, you will say the following, I just bought X. They will look at you and like, where is it? No, 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 I've bought it. I've got it. I just got X. I just bought X. I just received X. But you don't have it. All you have is a receipt. But you will begin to act like you do have it. How do I know? The moment you pay for your wedding shoes, your mind doesn't go onto the creation of the shoes. Your mind goes on to the event. Do you, does it make sense? 
Act as if it is done. Blind Bartimaeus demonstrated this. By the time he got Jesus' attention, he knew his circumstances were done. Mark chapter 10, reading from 46 to the end. Jesus had done nothing and said nothing. But once he realized, I've got Jesus' attention, he acted like it was done. The Bible says he threw off his begging cloak. He stands up and comes to Jesus. And then Jesus asked him, what shall I do for you? And he says, I would like to receive my sight. That means he stood up, changed his location, changed his circumstances before the miracle happened. So will it be with you when you act on the promises, when you act as if what the promise has offered, you have received before it shows up. So let me say it carefully. For those of you that are receiving a promise that this is the year of transition from the old to the new, act as if it is done and it will be a reality. Amen? Let's go to the last one. And this is the last thing that we're going to say about promises. And it's this. Promises come to pass when you identify triggers. Now, when I say triggers, triggers are like buttons. Triggers are like coming towards a, you know those doors that you don't touch? The ones you're walking towards and they just open. You don't see the beam of light that you've broken that says someone's coming towards the door, the automatic ones. I remember when we were kids, we, we tried to run into them at the airport. So we would run forward and the doors would open and then we'd run faster and see how, whether we could just crash into glass. Children are crazy, but that's okay. We made it. We, we arrived. But keep this in mind. In the very same way, promises come to pass when you are able to identify triggers. Now, we could go all over the Bible, but kindly turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, verse 22. And the Bible says the following, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Pause for a moment. This is what I found out in the Bible, and I hope this blesses you. Whenever the fruits of the Spirit are exhibited, they trigger miracles. You may say, no way. Yes way. And they cause promises to come to pass. Let me give you a few. The one that I like is love. Jesus said, because I love the Father, I will lay my life down and I'll take it again because he says so. John chapter 10, reading from verses 17 to 18. And the Bible records that when Jesus laid his life down for you and I, there was no motivation of reward. He just said, I'm doing it because I love the Father. The Bible records that the greatest reward given to a human being has been given to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That means when the Holy Spirit enables you to act in love, that is sacrificially providing what somebody else needs in a way or manner that they may receive it, a miracle is on your way. And this is why we prayed for a paradigm shift. That means whenever God gives you the opportunity to act in love, you can have an expectation that it triggers a miracle 
in your world. But let's go to another one. Joy is a wonderful one. And I'm, I'm sure there's certain people here going through a difficult time. Acts chapter 16, reading from verses 25 to 26. And I'll just tell you the story. Paul and Silas have had a really rough day. They went to go and preach something similar to what we're doing today. And they caught hell. They were beaten. They were judged. They were locked up. Listen carefully. And the Holy Spirit told them to go there. They find themselves in the middle of a dungeon. Not just an ordinary dungeon, an inner dungeon. So they were pretty much in solitary confinement, chained to the floor. And then what did they do at midnight? They begin to, began to act in joy. They began to praise God and sing praises. They began to lift up a sacrifice of praise. Listen carefully. <laughs> the Bible says God responds with an earthquake. Why? Because they decided to act in joy. Joy is not circumstantial. It is relational. Happiness is circumstantial. So when you are given the opportunity to act in joy, it triggers miracles. That means even though you are going through a nightmare, if you can respond in joy, knowing that God, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm just going to praise you anyway. Way. And that's what's going to happen in the next 21 days when you go through the pursuit of God. God will trigger miracles that will change your life. Why? Because you hit the button. The rest is all about him. Let's go through a couple more. Um, gentleness. Gentleness is actually quite fun. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 9 to 19. Now I, that's where the story is. I'll tell you what it is because of time. Hannah has been asking for a child for a long time. This particular time, she goes to Jerusalem and it is tough. Someone is making her life miserable. And she prays to God and she prays in silence. And the Bible says the level of her pain is such that only her mouth moves. And she offers to God and she makes the famous statement that if you give me a child and take the reproach away, I'll give him to you all the days of your life. The high priest sees her. And all he sees is a woman crying and talking to herself with no words. And his assumption is she's drunk. So he says to her in probably a high priestly voice, that woman, listen, it's okay. I know it's a celebration, but you've had enough to drink. Don't disgrace yourself. She responds like this. She says, no, my Lord, do not think of your servant as a woman of Belial or somebody who has a serious addiction. All I'm doing is pouring my heart out to God. And all I'm doing is expressing my pain. He realizes he's made a mistake and he does this. He says, may the God of Israel grant you an answer of peace. The result, ladies and gentlemen, is found in verse 19. The next time she's intimate with her husband, the Bible says God remembers her. And the rest, they say, is history. Hear me well. Look out for the triggers. When you cause to happen to someone else what you want to happen to you, a series of miraculous events will happen. 
And ladies and gentlemen, based upon this, we can safely say concerning you that you are no longer a victim. Why? The promises of God will come to pass on your behalf. Just like Peter, your life is about to change. And so let me pause for a moment and let me speak to those who don't know the Lord. And I say that very carefully because the first promise that you will work with and the first promise that you will experience are the, is the promise that Jesus said, if you believe that I am who I say I am and you confess that, then I'll make an exchange. I'll transfer you from death to life. And ladies and gentlemen, we know that promise works. And if you are listening to me and you do not know the Lord, then what does it mean to confess the Lord? Just ask him to do what he says. That Lord, take the life I've lived. Grant me the life you've lived. And the Bible says there will be no other evidence than the fact that from that day forward, you will be saved. I know that to be true. On September the 12th, 1987, I woke up a maniac. I went to sleep a Christian because I just said to Jesus, I'm done running. Let's make the exchange. And 35 years later or more, God has proved himself right. So will it be for you. How do you ask Jesus into your life? Very simple. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm done running. Let's make the exchange. Forgive my sins. Wipe away my yesterday and give me a tomorrow. We in Jesus' house would love you to click on a Q or follow a QR code or click on what comes up in your box. We would love to walk with you, but it doesn't matter where you are. The one thing we're sure of is that from the time you pray that prayer, Jesus is standing right with you and he'll never leave you. And so ladies and gentlemen, let's close like this. If anybody in here is believing, anybody in here and anybody in television land is believing God with and holding on to a promise, then I want you to begin to do one of the things that we said. I want you to begin to say over yourself what the promise says about you. And that means in any language you can, if you can pray in tongues, go ahead. But declare over yourself that because of what God has said, my life is about to change. If you're believing God for healing, say that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. If you're believing God for provision, say that God has supplied all my needs according to his riches in glory. If you're looking for direction, say that I am now led by the spirit of God and I am walking as a son of God. If you are looking for whatsoever that God has taken me from a solitary place and placed me in families. If you're believing God that in this particular season that God will bless you with a child, whether that be by birth, by adoption, by naturalization, or whether you become a foster carer, then just begin to say that in this particular land, there will be none that are barren. If you are believing God, listen carefully, let's just go for the catch-all. The Bible says, and this is a promise, John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, verse 14 in particular, the Bible says, whatsoever you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, the Bible says he will give it to you. So for the next few seconds, I want you just to begin to declare 
said, Lord, I've asked you in the name of Jesus, based upon the victory of your son, therefore I receive it. And from this day forward, I am no longer a victim. I believe that what you said will come to pass. Most of all, Lord, this is my beginning of the new. And everybody that believes that said, Amen. And Father Almighty God, I pray for each person, wherever they are, I pray that from this day forward, they will cause the glory to come to you. That their lives will be such through the promises of God as found in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that Father, through us, the glory comes to you. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And everybody said, Amen and Amen.